This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Matt Bolin of Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, tonight I want to talk to you about how amazing our God is. And uh, it's pretty awesome when you, when you think about how God does things in our world. It doesn't make sense. You can't fathom really how God does some things. It's just, it's wow. It's wow, that's amazing. You know, I used to use this word a lot. That's a coincidence. I've realized now that it's no, it's no longer a coincidence. It's God. It was amazing that I grew up in Grand Junction, Colorado. My wife grew up in Clovis, New Mexico. We didn't know anybody. But all of a sudden, we got intertwined by people from different colleges that we all of a sudden, oh, I know this person. I know this person. I know this person. And all of a sudden, we came together, and I got to meet her. And, and it's just amazing how God did those things. She had an opportunity to go to all kinds of different schools. So did I. But yet God brought us together to go to school at the University of New Mexico. And I think about those things, and I think how awesome God really is. And so tonight, if you're taking notes, you want to title this. The title of tonight's message is this, Our God is an Awesome God. And when you write that, write capital A, capital W, capital E, because he's an awe-inspiring God. And so I want to pray. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes one more time. Father, we thank you so much for being here tonight. Father, I I just pray that you would uh, help me to speak this message tonight with simplicity and clarity. And Father, once again, just direct my words through the Holy Spirit to give me thoughts and ideas, just illustrations, things to help drive home the points so that we may understand. And, And Father, that we wouldn't be the same as we were when we came in, but we would be forever changed. And so, Father, I pray that you would plant this on our heart so that it would rise up day after day, that you're an awesome God. And so, Lord, help us to remember that, how amazing you truly are. So, Lord, I thank you, I love you, and I look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I guess I should let you know, Pastor and Shelly are uh, on vacation this week. They'll be back um, for Sunday service, but they're having a great time. So if you do have time, please pray for them also, just to relax and have a good time up there. Uh, Talked to them earlier. They were all excited about our new chiller outside. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but man, it's, I hope you are pulling jackets out tonight because it's going to get freezing in here, and I'm excited about that. So for those of you that went through this summer, you know what I'm talking about, and you're excited about that too. So, um, so back to the message. Um, this question was posed to me the other day, and it was quite interesting, and I thought, I've never really thought about this. Somebody said, they said, what, what is the one thing or the, some of the things that you believe that God has placed on this earth just for you to remind you how amazing God is? And I was like, wow, that's a really deep question. And so we were talking about some different things and we were going through this. And I started thinking about this and I woke up thinking about it. And I was, I was lifting weights and I just kept thinking about this thing. And I was thinking, what is it that... that is just on this earth that every time I see it or I'm around it, that it's just like, wow, that's awesome. It's just the, on the inside, it just rises up the happiness and the joy. And I realized <clears throat> that if you know me at all, um, or if you're around me very much, you'll know what this one thing, there's a couple of things, but the one main thing that I realized God put on this earth for me was Christmas music. I love Christmas music. Absolutely love it. In fact, I started listening to Christmas music last week. And so I'm getting ahead of the game, but I love it. I can't tell you how excited I was when the day came for me to put that Christmas music on. 
I can't do it after Christmas, but I can do it before Christmas. And so it's always coming before Christmas somewhere. But I, I remember when I first heard that song, it brings back so many great memories and so many things. And it's just like this rose up inside of me. And I was like, that's God. God put Christmas music on this earth for me. And I'm so excited about it. I'm going to enjoy these things. And I, I just started noticing some different things. One of the other things that I found is that when I'm up at night or I'm up early in the morning and I walk outside and it's a clear night and you look up, you look up in the sky and you just see these amazing constellations and these stars and the moon and all this stuff and you realize God created all that. No matter how big the problem I'm going through, no matter what, I will walk outside. There's some things that we're going through right now, just believe in God for. This morning I'm uplifting weights and, and I'm just out there and I just walked out in my driveway and I'm looking up and I'm like, it is a perfectly clear sky not a cloud in the sky, and I'm looking up, and I just see all these stars, and it's just like, wow, why am I worried about this little problem when I've got a God who created that? And he's not done with that. It's still going, and it just, it reminds me so much of our God is an awesome God, and I think sometimes we deal with this stuff, and we try to figure out a natural answer when we have a supernatural God. And I want you to understand this because a few weeks ago I was in my study time and I was going through some things and I came across a story that probably everybody in here has heard before or knows something about. But it's about the story of a, the woman that Jesus meets at the well. And, and I want you to go ahead and go there. It's, it's found in John chapter 4. But I want you to think about this because when you think about a supernatural God, why is it that we try to find the natural answers for God's supernatural question. And I think that's something that we have to go through and we have to figure out. John chapter 4, you know, I think that if we were to go back and we were to ask different questions of everybody in here, we would all find that we've all done the same thing. We've needed something amazing for God to do and we've tried to figure out the natural answer for it. And, And I'll talk a little bit more about it, but one of those is the lottery. How many people put more faith in the lottery than we do in God? And I'm not saying that God cannot allow you to win the lottery. God can do that if God wants to do that with you. Absolutely. I have no doubt that God can do that. But a lot of times when we have financial issues, we're like, God, I need your help. Here, I'm going to go buy a lottery ticket. Please bless this. And it's like, here's our natural answer. If I win this, yes, all my financial problems will be gone. But that's not a supernatural answer from a supernatural God. That's asking God a supernatural question and looking for a natural answer. And so this is what I'm talking about tonight, is that no matter where we're at, God always has the supernatural just waiting to prove how amazing he is. It's it's just right there. And so John chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 4. And so Jesus has come, he's come to this well and he's by himself. All his disciples have gone in to get some other stuff and they... We're going to start right here in verse 4. It says, now he went through, he he had to go through Samaria. So he'd come to a town in Samaria called Sinar. Near the plot of the land of ground, Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Verse 8 says, his disciples had gone into town to buy food. And so verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. They just, they don't even, 
associate with each other. Don't you, you're not even allowed to talk to him, do anything. Verse 10 says, Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, here is a supernatural moment in this woman's life. A supernatural moment is planted right before her. Now listen to how she answers this supernatural moment. Verse 11, Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Verse 13, and I want you to understand this because Jesus is pointing it back out again. No, I'm talking about your supernatural answer that you've been looking for. Because you have to understand this woman, and I'll explain it here in a minute. Verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, The supernatural question that was asked had nothing to do with getting a drink of water. The supernatural question that was asked was when this woman sought the natural answers of a man to love her. Because the next verse, Jesus said, a few verses down there, Jesus looks at her and goes, "Go go get your husband and come. And she says, I don't have a husband. He said, exactly, you've had five. She's gone from man to man to find that love that only God could answer. That supernatural question, she went searching for a natural answer in order to fulfill that supernatural question. Now, we all have supernatural questions that are inside of us every day, but we seek natural answers all the time. The same thing what I talked about with that idea of the lottery. That's a natural answer that we try to seek through a supernatural God. That's almost like, here, God, I wrote you out a contract on this is what I need you to do in my life. All you have to do is sign it. Can I read it? No, it's okay. It's done. Just sign it. I've got it all planned out for my life. This is what we need to do. But that's not who God is. God is supernatural. We have to trust that God is supernatural. If you're taking notes, the number one is, if you want to put number one and you want to put it down there, God is supernatural. That is the first thing that we have to understand, is that if God is supernatural, then we have to treat him as supernatural. We can't treat God as this distant being that's way off that doesn't know or understand or around us in anything. God is supernatural, which means he's going to have a supernatural answer. What What do you mean by that? Well, this is what I mean. I grew up, I didn't go to church much. I went through a lot of different things in my life. I didn't know what I was looking for, but I knew I was looking for something. I knew I had a supernatural question. What is it for me, God? What is that thing that I need? I tried all kinds of different stuff. I realized very quickly, thank the Lord, that the alcohol, that was nothing for me. The drugs didn't have, a, didn't have a, uh, an iota to do any of that stuff. Thankfully, the Lord directed me a little bit to church, and I found out that that supernatural question I needed a supernatural answer that had always been right in front of me, I finally opened the door and saw what it truly was. It was finding that God inside of me, this, this well, this springing up. I, I thought about that, that fire that grows deep down on the inside. What we were singing earlier, that's God. That passion that you have that only God can put inside of you. 
It's a passion that we have because it's from a supernatural God. So you, you may have some things that are in your life that are crazy. You're not sure how it's going to happen. That's okay. We have a supernatural God that does know how it's going to happen. I don't need to know. Because the Bible says in Isaiah, it says that his ways are higher and greater than mine. In Ephesians, it says that he will give us beyond our wildest dreams. He never once said, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you lead. I'm going to follow and I'll clean up behind you. No, he said, follow me. When you follow me, I'll take you to the Father. I'll take you to the dreams. I'll take you to the place you want to go. But that means we have to go all in. That means we can't hold back in anything. And if you're seeking a supernatural move of God in your life, then you have to seek that supernatural God. Don't seek the natural answers. One of the natural answers that we have in our lives is manipulation. We, we sometimes try to manipulate the situation in order to fit us best. If I can just convince this person to do this and do this, and it's like we're playing a game of chess. And we think if I'll move all these places, the problem is the board's gone and the pieces aren't there. The only thing that we're playing is inside of ourselves. We've got to come back and lay it before God and say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I do know this. I'm your son. I know you love me. And I know you've got the best for me. Here you go. And then I go on my merry way. Think about how your kids are. Do your kids worry about any of these problems that are going on in our own lives? No. What are they doing? They're hopping around. They're jumping. They're wanting to wrestle. They're wanting to jump off of things and see how crazy they can get. I mean, even kids, my, my son last summer cracks his head open the first day of summer. You know what he was happy about? He dunked the ball when he cracked his head open. That's what he was happy about. Not the fact that he had stitches in his head. He was all excited about that. And what I'm getting at is he wasn't worried about this thing. He wasn't worried about all the bills and the stuff. He was just excited because he's a kid. That's why Jesus constantly said, Don't, do not forsake the kids. Don't forget to learn from them also. Because there's a lot of times in our lives that we miss it because we get caught up in the world, the world's problems. Everything is in truly God's hands if we'll let it be. It's a problem when we pull it back. We need to learn to just trust God in every area and watch what he can do. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. And I want you to understand because sometimes it's like we treat God like a, almost like you deal with the big problems, I'll deal with the small ones. You know, in our household, um, you know, we make a lot of decisions. The big decisions, we'll come together, we'll pray on them and stuff like that. The problem is we've never had a big decision because my wife's so good at making the decision for them. So we get those things taken care of pretty quickly. Well, the same thing happens in our lives. What do we do? We take care of those little situations all the time. We think, well, you know, that forgiveness thing, yeah, that's a little one. I don't need that much. I'll deal with that. I'll deal with that. I got that one, God. Don't worry about it. I'll deal with that. You know, the problem is the Bible says it's the small fox that spoils the vine. The small problems, the small little things that we don't go to God with, they're the things that cause the big issues. That's what it comes back down to is trusting in what God is doing. Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. And it says this, it says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet the Heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not much more valuable than they? What it comes down to, we see birds fly all the time. You see bugs, you see all these things. They're all taken care of. They are all taken care of. Because God takes care of them. If we'll simply trust, no matter what, big or small the problem is, God can still be that supernatural answer. God is always the supernatural answer. If we'll continue to come through, no matter how big or small with a supernatural God, he makes the small things in your life, in my life, in everyone's life, always turn out supernatural. They don't have to be a natural answer. Watch God make it a supernatural answer. No matter the size in your eyes, God is still supernatural and can do anything. Let's look at something similar as love. You know, in the natural, we talk about love. We talk about, I'm happy, I'm good. I mean, you think about in in the world today, the divorce rate in the world is 50%. It's a hit or miss. You're going to get lucky, you're not going to get lucky. You know, if it's going to work, you're going to get lucky on these things. Well, that's natural love. Because what happens is, is when I don't, when you don't please me for what I want, what do I do? I turn and go. We, we had our marriage group the other night, and, or on Sunday night, and it was a great group. And in this, the, the teacher, Pastor Jimmy Evans from Amarillo, he said this. He said, if a couple ever goes in with a prenup, what you're doing is you have a back door wide open. I'm okay as long as the house is here, but when I'm ready, that back door is open so I can leave. And sometimes that's how we live life. We've always got the back door just in case. But with God, there cannot be just in case. It's got to be all in. We've got to trust him and rely on what he's doing because supernatural love walks through forgiveness. Natural love says you don't have to forgive. Get revenge. Get back what you deserve. Do these things. Satisfy your own needs. It's not about the other person. It's about you. That's what it comes back down to. God can't forgive me for what I've done. It's something I hear all the time. That is something that we put on God. God just can't forgive me for what I've gone through, what I've done, the choices that I've made. But understand this. That statement simply shows that you're looking through the natural eyes at a supernatural God who you see as a natural God. When I look at a supernatural God, he's full of forgiveness. There's nothing that holds him back from forgiving me for who I am. But the problem is is that our natural being can't fathom that. It's been, sad, it's been said too many times to me, and it's a sad statement. But a lot of people look at God and they say, well, that's, that's the dumb man's God. Because if I'm smarter than you and I am at the same level of you with God, then that's not right because I'm smarter than you. Too many smart people cannot receive that this is, it's just God. Well, what's the answer? I, it's just God. I can't give you a better answer. It is God. I've heard people say that statement to me and I look at them and I say, man, I'm so sorry that that's the way you feel because my God, he created all this. He's pretty smart. My God has gone beyond what anybody can really even fathom. We don't even understand God fully. In fact, uh, George Washington Carver, he, he, he wanted to know so much about the human body. He said, God, teach me everything you can. And, and God said, you couldn't even understand how amazing this little peanut is. And he said, okay, God, just teach me what we can find out of this peanut. And he's the one that came up with so many amazing things from the peanut. Why? Because our supernatural God, he's amazing. He's awesome. 
if we'll simply trust him, no matter how big or small the problem or situation, God can always be the answer. No matter the size of the thing that you have in your life or the situation that's going on, God can always be there. I want you to understand this because a lot of times we make excuses for our natural problems, our natural um, tendencies, our natural things that hold us away from God. And one of those things, Moses, for example, he was a great man of God. In fact, uh, you know, he's the one that did the Ten Commandments. He was right there with God. He, he just followed God with everything that he had. He made one major mistake, and it changed his whole life. But you know, when he first got there, he had a stuttering problem. That's why he called and he asked, I need Aaron's help in order to go stand before Pharaoh because I, I stutter. I, I can't talk right. A lot of people look at him and say, you're useless then. You're bad. We don't need you. Why do you why are, how are you going to lead us to the promised land? But God didn't look at his problem. God looked at the person. And our supernatural God made a supernatural moment constantly through Moses. Same thing here. There's a, there's a man in the Bible named Ehud. Ehud was a man who, who just served God. Nothing special, just served God. But he had one thing going for him. He was left-handed. The way that people looked at, at left-handers in that day, and forgive me for those who are left-handed, but they thought they were handicapped. They just thought they were useless. Just, you know, oh, you're left-handed, you're over there. You're, you're a part of that group over there. And, you know, you see that left-handed, well, what happened? God uses him to go in. And what they would do is that when, when you wore a sword, you would wear it on your other side. So when you'd pull it out, it'd go like this. And you'd be able to grab them and attack whoever you needed to. So whenever he went in to see the king who was disgraceful, dishonored God and did all this stuff, they checked the right side. Well, there's no weapon there. He walked in and as God commanded it to him, he killed the king because he was left-handed. There's nothing big or small. Listen, the same, same story with the boy with the fish and the bread. Most people would look at that and say, that's useless. That cannot help. How can God do anything with that? And maybe that's been said over your life. How can God do anything with where you've come from, with what you've done? But you know what? I know a supernatural God who can take anything and make it a miracle. He can use it and, and just continue to bless it. But you've got to trust God no matter how big or small. He's a supernatural God and has a supernatural answer for what's going on in our life. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and I want to share one last thought with you. These are scriptures that I'm sure you've probably heard of. But it comes down to truly trusting in what God is doing in every area. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 32. This is the story of David versus Goliath. Great story. I, I remember hearing this story before I ever went to school, before I ever went to Sunday school or any of this stuff. Everybody's heard about the story of David and Goliath. But when you go back and you read these things, there's something important that we find. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32 is where we're going to start. Now, this is, this is what's going on. Let me, let me catch you up right here. David's gone out. His father has sent him out to go check on his brothers who are at battle or at war. And so they go out there, and David walks up, and he finds his brothers, and he's talking to them. And he, 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 as he's talking to them, this, this big giant comes out, and he starts mocking the Israelite army. He starts making fun of them. He starts doing everything he can 
to just disgrace them and God because no one will come out and fight him. He goes through all these things, and, and David's sitting there, and you know he's sitting there, he's talking to the guys, he's finding out what's going on. He goes, who is this? What is this? And they're like, oh, that's, that's this guy, and this is big, and this is Goliath, and he's a big guy, and we can't beat him. And they're going through all these why they cannot win. And I love how David treats the situation. <clears throat> he comes back and he says this. He talks about God, but verse 32 this is after he's already been talking. How can he talk about my God? My God's bigger and better than him. He can destroy him. He can do all these things. Well, the story gets reported back to Saul, the king. Verse 32 is where we get caught up. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on the account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Verse 33, Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been fighting, man. He's been fighting men from his youth. Listen, first chance that he had to turn away, turn and walk away. The king, one of the most important people, not only that, his brothers before this had already said, go back home for you only watch sheep. What are you doing out here? You don't know what we do. Go back home and do your childish things. So this is another option where he has a chance to turn and walk away, but he turns and he trusts God. Verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth, and when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair and struck, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord, has delivered, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Now I want you to understand, he didn't turn around. He didn't back down. He said, let me tell you who I am. It, it, you may look at me and see somebody small. You may look at some, see this boy, but you know what? I know who's inside of me. I know the one who's inside of me. And he comes back and it says, uh, Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Go and the Lord be with you. So all of a sudden he's convinced him. Now he's like, yes, I get to go fight. I get to go to these things. Verse 38, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. Now, I want, I want to stop right here because this is the important part that I want to get to. Sometimes in this life, you may convince somebody that, no, I've got a God who loves me. I've got a God that is for me, that is a supernatural God. And no matter what I've done in my past, no matter the mistakes I've made, no matter who I used to be, it doesn't matter because today I'm somebody new. And they're going to look at you and say, all right, I believe who you are. Now, let me show you how you need to be. Let me show you what you need to do in order to survive and to serve God. And I want you to see what happens here. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put on a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet and put it on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I love this statement. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. In verse 40, he took his staff in his hand, chose out five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch and his shepherd's bag and his sling in his hand and approached the Philistine. So how did David go? He had the opportunity. The king looked at him and said, the only way you're going to win this battle is if you go looking like me. Let me show you how you need to be. Let me show you the right answers and the way to act. Let me show you who you need to be right here in order to survive and to win this battle. David tried everything on and realized very quickly, that's not who I am. Let me show you who I am. What did it say? He walked out with a shepherd's bag, a sling, and five stones. That's who David was. 
God's not looking for you to be somebody else. He's looking for you to be you so that he can be him. It's about trusting. Number three, if you're taking notes on this, is this, God is, God is supernatural through you. God is supernatural through you. David's voice is in his life at that point. His brothers had already told him, listen, you're not good enough. You're not good enough to do those things. In fact, <laughs> his dad had already said that too. When, when the prophet comes and he, he comes to anoint the king, he brings in all of David's brothers and said, here they are. And he said, this isn't it. It's not here. They're not here yet. And he said, well, I've got a small boy who's still out there. Let me go get him. And he anoints him with oil. He had constant voices telling him he can't, but he had one voice inside, deep on the inside, that fire that burns down on the inside that says you can. Because God is supernatural through you. You want to know where the supernatural God is? He's inside of you. But we have to allow him to be inside of us. In order for God to move through supernatural things, we've got to stop looking at natural answers. We ask the supernatural question, but we get stuck on a natural answer. Every one of us go through this. We plot out the plan of what we think God needs to do in order for this to happen. God, I have financial issues. I'm going to go buy this lottery ticket. You're going to bless this lottery ticket. I'm going to win a million dollars and everything's going to be okay. And then when it goes by the wayside, what do we do? We turn to God and go, why God? Because we look to a natural answer when we have a supernatural God supernatural God but it's about trusting in what God is doing coming back and receiving him in, inside let that fire burn again I heard this illustration and I think it's so amazing you know when I grew up I had a friend of mine who his family was pretty wealthy they had, they had a giant house and it was so much fun to go to his house because we could there was all kinds of fun things to do there and I remember one room in this house, and for those of you, you may have this room in your house, or you'll remember grandparents or aunts and, aunt and uncles that had this house, and it was called the white room. It was called the white room because nobody was ever allowed in that room. It was the off-limits room. You do not go. In fact, I still, to this day, do not remember ever walking in there. I remember one time, my buddy walked in there, and his mom got all over him. I was like, I mean, they had this nice furniture and they had all this stuff, but nobody ever sat in that room. And what we do with life is we have Jesus who stands on the outside of our house. And that white room or the good room or the great room, whatever you want to call it, whatever it was, that's usually by the front door, front window. It's somewhere where people, when they look in, they're like, wow, man, they are some clean people. They are clean living. Man, look at that house. That is unbelievable. Looks like nobody's ever been in there. We know why. But they look at these things and they put them by the front. And that's what we do with God. Jesus stands on the outside because if you go to the rest of the house, what are you going to see? There's a mess over here and there's a mess over here and there's all this stuff everywhere. And sometimes we use this comment of saying, I don't want to allow God into my house until I can clean it up. Once I clean it up, once I get it all better, once I do all this stuff, then I'll let God come in. Let me clean up my life. Let me get rid of these things. Let me do all this stuff. The problem is every time you try to do it, it's like a carousel. You go around 
and around and around. You get out, you get out, and you get right back in. And you fight with yourself and you fight through all these things. The problem is, is you're not allowing God to come into that area. Listen, you want to know the greatest cleaning person in the world? That's our Lord and Savior. He's the only one that can truly clean us from the inside out. It's time to stop trying to clean up the mess and allow the one who is the mess cleaner to come in and help us so that we can be renewed. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.